If you guys are into shooting the copper bullets, man, I got a great deal for you. We have partnered with Barnes Bullets. They are world famous, known for that Vore TX rifle, the deadliest, most accurate hunting loads on the planet. I like this company, guys, because I have a personal connection to these guys. On uh, Down in central Utah, uh, my dad's got this ranch, and uh, on the way to the ranch, you drive past this uh, Barnes Bullets factory and it's it's a really cool building just kind of out in the middle of nowhere so i know them well these all copper bullets provide destructive power double diameter expansion maximum weight retention and devastating energy transfer all with excellent accuracy it's a great choice for western big game game hunters and shooters everywhere so check them out at barsbullets.com and let me know what you guys think i appreciate it you've heard my silencer central ads i'm sure And I don't know if you have reached out and contacted them yet. If you're interested in a silencer, though, man, this is the way to go. Silencer Central from the start to finish, because it's quite the process. If you've never gotten a suppressor for one of your rifles, you've got to go through and do the ATF paperwork and the background checks and all that kind of stuff. But the cool part is, is Silencer Central takes care of it all. It's a several-month process, and so what's cool about it is if you don't want to drop all that money right at the top uh, end of this whole process, you just get a hold of them, and you can do like a payment plan while they're taking care of all the paperwork on the back end. I have the Banish 30, uh, and this thing is awesome. I've never used one of these before, so I'm like learning as as I go along, but what I what I was getting at is from start to finish, Silencer Central has been some of the most amazing people I've ever worked with through the process. They treated me like I was family, and I really appreciated it. You guys should check them out, and you can call them at 866-891-4494 or check it out at silencercentral.com. It will be worth your time, I promise. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Town Studio and brought to you by Eastman's Hunting Journals. Thanks, guys, for being here. It has uh, we are just kind of trugging along right through uh, November here. Hopefully, a lot of you guys are out there chasing whitetail and late late season elk. And uh, I, I don't know if there's I think there's still a couple muley seasons open and definitely some bear seasons open. So uh, this week in this episode, I've got my new friend Cliff Gray on the podcast, and I've been following him for a long time and um, I've been watching his YouTube for a long time and. Uh, man, he's a killer. I'm really excited to have him on the on this uh, on the show to, this week. And so, Cliff, I appreciate you joining me, man. Yeah, of course, Jim. Thanks for having me. So, uh, tell everybody where you're at, dude. Yeah, so this time of year, 
I, uh, I go to Puerto Rico and usually I'm down here for, I don't know, four or five months that basically the cold months up in, up in the mountains. <laughs> so yeah. uh, me and my wife have been doing this, uh, for the last few years, actually, since I sold my outfitting business. So the last, the last operating, operating fall that I had would have been actually three falls ago. So, mm -hmm. uh, when I, when I owned my outfitting business. So after that, when I sold my business, uh, we, we got into this mode of living half the year, basically in the Caribbean and then half the year uh, up in Oregon and some other, other places I'm still doing. It's kind of, it's funny how life, life leads you different places and, and you think you're going to go one direction, but you end up kind of getting back into the orbit. And I feel like that's, that's what hunting has done with me and guiding. I, it didn't take mm -hmm. me very long to get swooped back into guiding. So every fall I'm going back and, and guiding up in the States, which I enjoy. It's kind of a, it's a different perspective on it, Jim. I think when you're, when you're outfitting, particularly if you do it for quite a few years with, and you deal with a lot of clients, your perspective drifts away from like the guide's perspective. So it's, it's actually been really nice the last couple of years to spend part of the year just guiding and not running, yeah. running a hunting business. But, but yeah, that's the breakdown of my life. I, I've uh, got other family that lives in Puerto Rico. I've got a brother who's lived down here for a few years and he's got kids the same age as mine. So it made sense. And, uh, and the, uh, the ocean side of things for me is like, it's funny, like the analogy I'll use is I'm so naive and I'm such an amateur when it comes to tarpon fishing or spear fishing or those sort of things, but there's still an, there's still an obsession of mine. And I've got yeah. like the, the total, the, the total beginner's bug for it. So, so this time of year, I try to work on those endeavors and, and, uh, it's cool, man. It's like a fresh adventure for me. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm super jealous. I've, uh, <laughs> I've actually, I've been to, I've been to Puerto Rico a couple times and okay, to be, cool. to be honest with you, Cliff, there, uh, uh, most of those trips, I don't remember much of, and, uh, I did not <laughs> get to do much fishing. And so, um, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, who wouldn't want a setup like that where you're kind of escaping for the winter and, and uh, getting out of the cold, uh, you know, I'm just, it, I, to be honest with you, I'm sort of, I, I'm like not in a state of depression, but it really is a bummer. It's already November and I, I don't know what happened to September. Um, October was a blur and I just like the thought of going back into, you know, having to throw the coveralls on constantly and, and, uh, getting on the tractor to plow the driveway out. Cause we live on a homestead here in Western Montana and, I mean, we just okay, get sure. pounded with snow, you know, and, uh, oh, yeah. just, I just, I don't know. A guy gets burned out after so many years of doing that. And so I, I could definitely see the appeal, uh, to, to spending the winter down there. So, um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe you, man, I don't, I don't go ahead. I don't know if it's something I'll do. I don't know if it's something I'll do the rest of my life, Jim, but I, I enjoy it. But I will say, like what you describe, those those winters, and I spent lots of winters probably in a really similar situation where, you know, it's just just living took a lot of energy, you know, yeah. plowing oh, snow and, and all that stuff. Um, and it's funny, man, because I think that kind of winter makes a guy tough. I really do. Totally. But just a few years of going down to the Caribbean for winter you really quickly revert to being a total weenie, man. Like I'm, I'm going to go up. Uh, I'm going to no, go up I don't on think a that's short, true. short lion hunt. And, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want to go back up to the mountains this time of year and freeze my butt off. <laughs> um, right. So there's, there's good of both, man. I, and everybody's different. Personalities are different. I, I, variety tends to be maybe, maybe my vice in terms of adventure and, and mm-hmm. you know, on that front. So, um, so it's good and bad, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I think, you know, getting back to your point, man, once I, I, once you've been hardened by a few good winners in the mountain, I don't think that toughness ever goes away. I, I so I think you're good. You're in the clear. Uh, but, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, and when, when you say variety, I do, I would have a tough time being as much as I, I bitch and complain about the winter and the snow. Uh, there's something very much, you know, about that, that makes it home for me. And so not being yeah, in the yeah. mountains in the winter, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd feel about it, except for if I was uh, wearing flip-flops and, and fly fishing for tarpon, uh, my tune would definitely change, I'm sure. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Cliff, well, how, but there is something about that season change. But yeah, yeah go for it, Jim. Yeah, just kind of having, yeah. Um, but uh, you're, and now, uh, real quick on that note, you're out of like hurricane season and stuff down there, right? Yeah, so technically... So technically hurricane season ended about 10 days ago. Uh, I always laugh and the running joke I have is that'll be the end of hurricane season until the next big one hits a week later. You know <laughs> yeah, what I right, mean? Right. So that's, it's uh it can still happen, but the, the big risk, you know, there's a sigh of relief in most of the Caribbean, pretty much the last day of October. Gotcha. How, now how'd you get into outfitting? Yeah. So <clears throat> it's kind of a funny story, man. I, I grew up on a cattle ranch in uh, Eagle, Colorado, at least part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And, and we long story there, but I spent part of my childhood there. My dad was a cattle rancher and he was an outfitter. He had some some outfitting permits out of the ranch that he uh, that he managed and ran cattle out of. We had grazing permits and that sort of thing. So that just led to an overlap with with outfitting. And so I was always around, you know, horses, mules, packing, elk hunting, that sort of thing. And then, um, I actually, my early, my early twenties, I, I did, I just worked a normal, a normal career. I worked in finance for the first three or four years at a, at an undergrad in business school. And, uh, I had a, I had a funny, a funny thing happen. I, a a bunch of different events occurred where I had started a business and uh, I sold it. And uh, I found myself back in Colorado just because I knew I was going to take like a mini retirement. It's kind of analogous to where I am right now in life. Mm-hmm. I sold that business. I was like 24, 25. Uh, myself and my girlfriend moved back to Eagle, Colorado at the time, really just to ski. And, and through all this time, like I, I've been an obsessive hunter since I was a kid and yeah. being around the business kid, you know. And, uh, and like I said, the livestock thing was always a part of my life too. And it, it really, the horse and mule packing deal. But anyways, I didn't go back to Colorado for that. We really went back there just to ski and, and have fun for a year while maybe I started another business or something, just kind of had a little, a little peace of mind. And, and there was always an outfitting business that my dad talked about and all the old time outfitters talked about kind of in that Eagle Vale Valley. And it had been developed on the other side of the highway, the other side of kind of the, the divide of those counties over there. And uh, it was up against the flat tops. And when I I was a kid, it was legendary because it was big and there was a big elk herd there. They had a lot of commercial use days and they they were kind of, you know, 
in the outfitting business, there's not a lot of businesses that kind of have at least some level of scale. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. do it as a seasonal, a seasonal thing. But this one was notorious for for being, you know, a fairly uh, large scale in the spectrum of outfitting, right? And so I had always knew about it. And then, anyways, when I got back there, my wife and uh, I, well, my, my girlfriend at the time, we drove up to where those permits were. I was just like, I want to go up there and see see you know how those guys are doing. And I had heard that it had the business had shrunk a whole lot over a bunch of ownership changes and. One of the old time outfitters had passed away at a fairly young age. So it had been disrupted. Anyways, I drove up there and the last switch, but last switchbacks to the trailhead where, where these guys um, packed out of and all their horses and mules went through. I saw an older guy walking down the uh, switchbacks in like maybe, I don't know, 18, 20 inches of snow. And, uh, and it was, it was like, it wasn't that late, man. Maybe like the 25th of October or something. But anyways, he was walking a mule down, just the one mule. So I drove up there with my Jeep and I rolled my window down. And I started talking to him and he had, it turned out he had been kind of the interim, the interim owner of this outfitting deal. He kind of bought it because he owned some adjacent property. And I got to talking to him and I was like, Jim, you ever, you ever think about selling this thing? And he looked at me and he goes, you better fucking believe it. <laughs> and <laughs> within, within, within 20 days I had bought it from him. Um, and, uh, and sorry, Jim, Interesting. I, I didn't even ask you a, a curse and I apologize. Oh uh, man. No, but, you, uh, you, you've, uh, I, I'm a Marine man. Good. Feel, feel oh, okay. Marine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, but that was the, that was basically the conversation I had with him. And within two weeks, I basically closed on buying the business and, uh, and, I really thought to myself, you know what, it'll be like a hobby project to build this thing back up. And then within two seasons, it was my full-time gig and I was, I was having a good time and I I expanded it beyond that. So, uh, so yeah, long-winded answer. Um, but, uh, really it was not planned is what I would say. And how (laughs) Cliff, how long did you run that company for? Uh, I ran it for 11 years, 11 years is, is like, you know, we, you, you talked about growing up, um, you know, being an avid hunter, being real passionate about it is, is like entrepreneurship. Is that something you've always kind of leaned into as, as a passion or, or something you fell into? How did, how did that come about? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird, Jim, because my, I, I came from a family of entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I had this realization in, in maybe very recently in the last, you know, two years of, of my life that, uh, that I took a lot of, a lot of like a mentality that basically was maybe instilled in, in me as a kid, I took it for granted. And that was, I was always around people who, you know, like my parents did the American dream, man. Like when I was a kid, I remember being pretty, pretty damn poor. And then I remember you know, in my twenties, my parents being pretty successful, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I saw that and my parents always made their own way. And I never even viewed it as entrepreneur. I never even view it, viewed it as entrepreneurship because like my dad, after being an outfitter, after being a cattle rancher in his forties, he went back to vet school and became a vet. And when I was, oh, a kid, really? I was like, oh, Wow. Like, uh, yeah. When I was a kid, I thought, well, it's not that weird. Now I think about it as a grown man with little kids and stuff, basically, you know, same age as him. I think like, holy smokes, man, like that, 
that is, uh, um, you know, you got to be willing to take those leaps. So I, I think that have I always been obsessed with like growing a business and be, you know, being an entrepreneur and making a ton of money. I don't think that was my obsession. I was, I think my obsession in life has always been that I, I don't ever plan to really work for somebody else and depend on somebody else. And I, and mm -hmm. I don't, in some, in sometimes I'm very envious of people that, uh, that, uh, are okay with that and have very traditional careers, uh, and are successful that way. I've guided a lot of those people. I've had, I have a lot of those people in my life who are friends and, uh, I don't, I'm always touchy about this because I don't want people to feel like I, I shun that, or I think that's a bad path in life. Cause I get asked all the time from people like, Hey, you know, I want to be a guide or I want to be an outfitter. And I'm like, I'm very careful about it now because I realize my brain is maybe wired a little bit different than other mm -hmm. people. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think, I think, I think traditional career paths can be for the, for a lot of people are, are a better choice, man. And, and yeah. if, even in the, even in the context of, of this world, right? Like the hunting world, you know, being a guide or an outfitter or, um, or even, uh, a, an entrepreneur that owns a bunch of real estate or owns any, any sort of traditional business, those are not necessarily the best, the best pass to hunting a lot. A matter of fact, yeah. like they're probably, they're probably some of the worst. Yeah. You know some of the I mean? worst for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's so, so dependent on it, on, you know, wh what it is you do. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Oh yeah. I, I like, I really like what you said about, you, you know, your dad, being in his forties and going back to veterinary, you said veterinarian school, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's, I think that the, a lot of people need to hear that message. There's so many people, they, they get, they get up into late thirties, you know, or late forties even, and, and into their fifties and, and they act like they're, they're too old to start something new in their life. And, and hearing stories like that is, I think inspirational for a lot of people. I mean, shit, it, I, I'm still, I'm still blown away. I'm in, in my forties. Um, I'm, I'm in my early forties cliff, but still I'm in my forties, but I still feel like a young man and like a fresh start is right around the corner if I needed to, you know? And, uh, I, I just, I love having that feeling in that and hearing stories like that. And, uh, I've, I heard, uh, I've got this, uh, this buddy of mine who's like 68. Uh, in fact, he was a guide. Uh, he just started his own business like a year ago for the first time in his life and he's killing it you know at 68 most most okay, people are just cool. like retired and golfing at that point you know and and uh sure. so no i i love hearing stuff like that man yeah no i i i think uh and i, and I don't know much about your background jim but I, i'm guessing that if, if that's your feeling about it you've probably like gone through some big like pivots in your life and uh for sure i, I find that i find that i find that people who get to do that at a young age, they have an advantage because once you've done it a few times, like you're not as, you're not as worried about it. And, and maybe, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's a practical thing. Maybe you just kind of know how to maneuver, but uh, I'm with you, man. Like I, I know a lot of people I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm probably just a few years younger than you, Jim. I know a lot of people that think that it's so unsurmountable, but I think once they do it once in their life, regardless of age, like they can makes it a lot easier, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. There's there's a couple factors that go into that. You know, I I just started another business uh this year, uh, but this is it's not my first one. And um I'm 
you know, I, I really enjoy business ownership and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. But, it, you know, it's it's so personality dependent. You know, I think a lot of it is uh, based on certain people's risk tolerance factor. And a lot of times your risk tolerance is a lot higher when you're in your 20s than it is when you're in your 40s. You know, and and I, I don't I don't know. I can't speak sure. to 50s or 60s because I'm not there yet. But um, you know, a great example. I I have I have a super high risk tolerance, Cliff. But my wife is the exact opposite. So, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes it's nice because uh, we'll balance each other out. She'll she'll uh, accept a little pushing from my end, and I'll I'll accept a little pulling from her end, and it it works out. But anyway, yeah, no, that's that's great, man. So what? So now that you're outfitting business, you, you've sold you sold it, right? Yeah. So I sold it, and then I ran it. I ran it for one year after that. And so, what what's on the docket now, man? Yeah, it's a it's a valid question. Um, so <clears throat> I've I have become, and I never would have thought this like. Three or four years ago, if you would have proposed that this is what I was doing and what I was focusing on, I would have laughed at you. But I've actually been very focused on the the YouTube deal and the dissemination of information and helping, you know, people get into elk hunting, get into, you know, do-it-yourself um hunts in the in in the western states, uh, via that 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 dissemination of educational stuff, basically, and trying to help out people. And I kind yeah. of fell into that, honestly, Jim. Like, I I started creating the videos really when I had the outfitting business. Really, as a practical thing, right? Doing gear lists, doing hey, this is what the expectation of when you show up and we're packing you in our horses and mules. This is what it looks like. And I did all that really for the practical reason of just having to deal with less questions, right? I mean, I dealt with enough hunters in my business that I mean, I, I was doing hour and a half, two hours of emails every day of my life. And so I, I, I made videos to try to um, mitigate that just as a practical tool for me. And it did. And uh, after I sold the business and I took a, I mean, I literally for six months, I didn't do anything but play in the outdoors, you know, but after that, I, I, yeah, after that, it started to trickle back that, Hey, if I do the, you know, if, I think that I can get better and better at doing these videos, maybe broaden the subject and, and improve in that regard. And I think I can make it into something. And in the last, you know, six months, it's grown a lot. I get an absurd amount of emails, absurd amount of direct messages. People send me pictures of bulls they killed and they tell me that this video or that video helped them. And that's addicting. And I don't know. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, Jim. Maybe it's like, Uh maybe it's like, me me allowing my ego to to run the show like oh i like i'm um you know like this stuff you know i i i always thought i was bullshitting myself but this stuff seems to work for other people too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so uh so yeah that's my main focus i've been working on that and part of it is is uh you know trying to help people and part of it's also just getting better at it, it and that that's probably the dork side of me like Hey, I really want to get better at making these videos. Even now I can look back at videos I made two years ago and be like, man, these are garbage. Or just, I can't believe how many times I stuttered or said like, or him and hot. Oh man. Stuff. So I, do, I, 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 I enjoy that. Yeah. Improvement. 
Yeah, that part's really fun, man. And it's uh, I, I I beat myself up over the, being on this podcast because I for some reason, Cliff, when I get to recording, I, I like start stuttering or or something and I, I can't pronounce words right. And I I've totally mispronounced words on it. And people will email me and then I'll feel shitty about myself. And <laughs> but it happens, man, your YouTube is huge, dude. Uh, let's see. I always just kind of link to you'll post like a video and I'll go to it there. I've never actually been to your YouTube page. Um, the main page, which is, uh, just Cliff Gray, right? YouTube forward slash Cliff Gray. Yeah. Just my name. And, and, uh, yeah, it's growing, it's growing rapidly really in the last couple months in particular. I think, I think I've got I don't, close to 15 million total views and like the run yeah. rates, like I think I get a, I mean, it's, it's somewhere between 150 and 150 and 200,000 views a day right now, which I don't even know wow. how that's, I don't know how that's possible. That's nuts, uh, man. <laughs> no, that's dude, fantastic. Um, you, but, uh, but anyways, do you ever worry with, uh, some of the stuff out there, you know, like this woke culture kind of thing where YouTube's like, Oh, you know, if you're showing firearms in your videos, they're going to suppress your videos or, or take them down or whatever. Do you, do you, do you run into any of that kind of stuff? Cause you've got a big platform here. Yeah. So, so do I worry about it? I, I, I guess part of my answer is, do I worry about it long time, long, long term in ter- And that's more of like my business mind, right. And the entrepreneur part of my mind. Yeah. Do I, do I worry about building you know, equity in something that, that really takes me a lot of work and people can watch the, watch it. And they, and they probably, yeah, I think, I think I might add like amateur quality still, but I'm improving all the time. That takes me a lot of work. So, so part of my mind is, Hey, you know, it is, is there this inherent risk in building in spending a lot of time bu- in building equity in this? Yeah. I think it's a valid, I think it's a valid concern for everybody that's, you know, doing, um, uh, firearm stuff, hunting stuff, really anything. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's crazy, Jim, because that can extend to a lot of things now. I mean, oh man, I, yeah, like it could extend to things that, in my mind, are are absolutely I, I can't even believe are an issue. Like you know, uh, butchering animals, those sort of things. To me, it's laughable. It, I mean, as long, I mean, obviously, if something is done, you know, that's just you know, uh, go, you know, gory for no reason or weight wasteful or whatever. Like I could understand some concern around that from, from a platformer's perspective, but things that are just about consuming animals or preparing hides or, or things like that, to me, that to be controversial is, is hilarious. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, I, there's a lot of great trail cameras out there. I've run the Tacticams, and that's a great system, especially their cell cameras. I've run a lot of different brands that I've, I've recommended to you guys in the past, but the right fit at the right time is the SpyPoint trail cameras. I have uh, a couple of the Flex G36s that are cell cams. They do a really good job for keeping track of everything that's going on on my property. And I also have for, you know, kind of out in the back country, I've got these Force Pros. Man, the picture quality on those Force Pros is, is just amazing. If you guys saw some of the bear pictures I was showing you during Spring Bear, that was a Force Pro. Really great cameras. I, I'm really excited that they are, uh, they chose to sponsor the show because I've been, I've been using SpyPoint for a long time, and, and I think you guys are going to be just as happy as I am with them. And check them out at spypoint.com and let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. 
Some of you might be old enough to remember back in the day when you can go to Walmart and get you a Savage Rifle for very cheap. And they did a good job, but they weren't like equipped for some of the hardcore hunting out there that we do today. If that's a memory that you have with Savage, like I do, I'm telling you, it's not like that anymore. Savage Arms is one of the premier firearms manufacturers dedicated to us hunters. I have this freaking uh, Savage 110. It's the Apex Hunter. And this thing is amazing. I love the AccuTrigger. You can also get them with the AccuFit, which allows you to adjust the stock. So if you're buying them for youth hunters or whatever, or just, you know, rifles fit you different. It's so flexible. It's so perfect for every hunter. It's just not the same Savage that it was 30, 40 years ago. It's a great firearm for everyday use while hunting, and they support hunters, and they support this show, and I really appreciate Savage Arms. Check them out anywhere firearms are sold or go to savagearms.com to find out more. It's crazy. It's, it's such a, it, it's highlights the vastness of different types of people in one, in our, our one country, you know, the, 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 the two sides, the, I, I don't know how to, there's such disparity in the way some people live versus the way like guys like you and I live. Uh, I mean, you know, and 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 what what we see is normal and and respectable, and what we see as as just kind of like the norm is is like upsetting to some people, you know, and and that yeah. that's what surprises me. And it it's they they do things too that are like foreign to me, but I it, it's not upsetting to me. I I don't understand why. Yeah, you're not going to go out of your. You're not going to go out of your way. Yeah, take, take your time to go disrupt their thing. I don't. Um, I don't want to interfere in anybody else's life, man. I want people to live how they want to live, but just leave me alone. You know. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I, I have a maybe maybe a, a little bit different uh, thought on it than a lot of people that, particularly in the hunting space, and it's a more direct answer to your question. You know, these videos, I I get. 99% positive energy via the videos and uh -huh. it's and it, it's variable depending on what kind of video it is of whatever if if videos really hit and they kind of go like quote viral you're going to get everybody cuz it's just a scale thing right i mean i've got yeah. i've got a video you know i got videos there these reels on instagram or something that pop to millions of people you're going to get more weird feedback because you're starting to hit people that are out like that that don't have anything to even they don't even understand what's going on in the video right so in that case i just ignore it <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean just don't worry <laughs> about it now from a platform perspective i personally haven't had trouble with youtube directly other than demonetization you know just, they just they, any anything that's you know got that's working up an animal face caping an animal um that sort of thing it gets demonetized and i don't care it is it because from my perspective it's look they they probably have uh reasons for that those reasons are actually specified i know when i post certain videos that they're not gonna they're not gonna like kick me off youtube but they're gonna demonetize the video and it doesn't hurt you know there's i'm not getting like punished that's just how it is because so it's how, it's their it's, their advertisers are are part are they are are the issue there. Yeah, you know what that I mean? makes sense. And, um, and so no, I'm 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 having a very 
I'm I'm really kind of this is a very narrowly focused point of view on it because I think there's these bigger, broader issues we talk about, Jim. Like, yeah, is there political bias in the platform as a whole? Yeah. But I'm just talking about my little niche world with it. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just follow their rules and realize that some of my videos are going to de- be demonetized, but also some of those videos become my most popular videos and they help a lot of people. And I don't care because those people are going to associate, you know, they're going to see it. They're going to find it helpful. They're going to see that, that I'm, I'm producing that for them. And then maybe down the road when, you know, however I'm deciding to, to monetize that brand that's helped them. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really care that I didn't make five more dollars off of the video advertising. Sure. Does that, I mean, and you know, maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. I don't know. No, I, I mean, I think that that in the, in the current climate and the situation that you're in, that's, that's really the only way to look at it without letting it like, uh, I, I tend to obsess over things that I think might be problems sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and sometimes that's not, it's not super healthy Cl- cliff, but, I didn't realize that uh, they just demonetize like that one video. They won't, they won't like demonetize your whole YouTube uh, channel, you know, you know? And so um, I don't really use YouTube much for, uh, for what I do. Cause I just, you know, I just put out audio and, and it does go onto YouTube, but it's just audio. There's no sure. video or anything like that. And you know, it surprises me too. How many people listen to that thing uh, oh, on yeah. YouTube? Uh, it's pretty yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, sure. I got a question for you. I, um, we uh we had talked uh the i'm trying to remember how because we've been talking for like a couple of months or something and finally set this up to be be able to jump on together you you went on joe rogan and uh that's a big deal man so like i appreciate the fact that you come on uh little old me my podcast after going on on like the biggest podcast ever what kind of what kind of like feedback did you get from hunters and non-hunters after going on that? Was there, did you have like backlash from like non-hunting type folks uh, that, that maybe wouldn't have known about you before that or how, like, what was a, give me like a rundown of how that happened. Yeah. So, um, when I, when I went into it, I actually thought there was going to be more of that, Jim, just because this platform's so huge, uh-huh. you know, the, the, there was, the, I mean, I for sure got some and it, and it's, again, it's just, it, it's narrowly focused on a couple of the subjects we talked about. Like we talked about lion hunting, we talked about wolves. I got a lot of weird, you know, weird emails and messages and stuff regarding that. Yeah. Um, but I just got in the mode of, you know, the mode of, uh, ignoring it, you know, and, and, and maybe it's maybe, and I don't know if this is healthy or not, but I, I didn't like a lot of the comments on the stuff that gets like millions of views, like, you know, clips from his podcast. I, I kind of refuse to, to look at the comments. Cause I, I mean, look, if you read a bunch, if you, if you read, you know, a hundred straight comments that say like, Hey, who who is this skinny guy that looks like a, you know, looks like a, like a, a bird that's, uh, that's, you know, dying, starving to death. You know what I mean? It's going to hurt uh-huh. your feelings. Right. And yeah, I'm yeah. And I, 
right? So I'm just like, I'm not going to read it because I know, <laughs> I know I'm a scraggly little guy. I don't need to hear a hundred strangers tell me about it or whatever. It, it, you, know uh, what it, I mean? you know, it does not it, matter what you look like. If when you do go something, somebody's always going to find something, man. Yeah, yeah, but I just use that example because my my yeah, yeah. What I was, was going to tell you is my wife will read them to me because she oh, knows no. through them, and that was one of them. They're like, these people are calling you Bird Boy, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> wow, that hurts. Bird but boy. the best ones, I mean, some of them are some of them are pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's there's there's a there's a, a bunch of a bunch of pretty pretty good ones on there. But uh, yeah, I just I just try to ignore it in terms of the specific things you know, the kind of the anti-hunting crowd. Yeah, I, I got some of that, but it wasn't, you know, I, I, I choose to ignore it. None of it, none of it affected my day-to-day life. And, yeah. uh, yeah. and I think our conversations in there and, and maybe this is part of, part of your thought process process on it. I do worry about any time I have a, a, a conversation with somebody that's got that kind of following or, or even on my YouTube channel and I'm, and I make a video and I, and I inadvertently say something or something is construed a certain way. And then that video gets hundreds of thousands of views. Um, that, that concerns me, man. Like, I don't want to, ref- I don't want to reflect poorly on some, you know, hunting and fishing, something I really enjoy. And I know a lot of other people really enjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do think about that a lot. I think I think that's a valid concern, and I'm I, I'll be honest with you. Anytime, anytime Rogan has like a some hunting personality uh, or hunting industry related individual on on his show, uh, there's always a little bit of concern from my end because like like what we were saying earlier, where you know what our perception is and what we're used to and what we expect and what's normal to us is so foreign to other people out there, and it could be misconstrued or misrepresented. But, you know, I, I've had that concern, and but for the most part, man, I, I don't think that there's been anybody that has gone on a big platform like Rogan's that I, I, I know of, especially recently, that is like misrepresented or represented in some kind of negative way the hunting lifestyle, the lifestyle that is hunting, you know, and, and like you did a great job representing hunters and, and that's what you're doing when you're going on, you know, when, when people listen to my show, Cliff, they're, they're like 99.9% of the time they're hunters. They're, they're like-minded folks like us, Sure. you know, when you're talking about a show like Rogan's, that's, that's a whole different ball game. And so, uh, I feel like you did a good job representing, um, everybody as hunters and, and a lot of people he's had on ha- have done the same. And so it's, it's just kind of cool how that uh, I, I think it's an important thing because there's, you know, when, when we look at the future of hunting, we've, we've got this certain percentage of us that are, that are act, active, passionate hunters. And this is like our lifestyle. This is what we do. And then you have almost an equal, but slightly smaller percentage of the population that are actively anti-hunting folks. It's those people in between that aren't one way or the other that I, that I, I am concerned in terms of, uh, you know, winning hearts and minds for the future of hunter hunting in the, uh, as, as we go forward. And, and thus far, um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like things shows like Rogan's or I, I think do a lot more good than they do bad. And there's, there's people that'll totally disagree and I'm going to get a bunch of nasty emails over it, but I just, that's, that's how I feel. I, I watch this stuff. I pay attention to it. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, uh, and I've heard a lot of the arguments against, you know, uh, Rogan just getting a ton of exposure to hunting. I've heard arguments against channels like mine on YouTube. And, and 
and there's some valid points there and it's a really tricky it's a really tricky subject but what i will say is that i think you nailed it there's this there the majority of people really don't care about hunting i think as hunters we have to consider that that just because somebody's not into hunting doesn't mean they're anti-hunting the majority exactly. of people the majority of people i know outside of the hunting world they just don't care they're more concerned that we might go into world war three here they're more concerned about you know the economics of the country there's they're more concerned about their mountain bike trail they're more concerned about you know uh there being more pickleball courts at the tennis club, that sort of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? They have, oh, absolutely. They have, they have Gas prices things. are way more important yeah, to yeah, them like, than deer season, you know? Like, it's not even on their radar. But mm. what I do believe is that I believe a lot of those people, if they do get into a discussion about hunting or they see information that is disseminated about hunting, they're actually pretty rational about it. I don't, I, I think a lot of people who, um, I mean, take the Rogan thing. For for better or worse, and I greatly appreciate him having me on. He, he's a great. He really is a very genuine, great guy, Jim. But uh, take that 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 in for better or worse, that has kind of de- defined a part of uh, a part of me publicly, right? Like people who, um, you know, if me and my wife meet a new cu- couple, you know, a week later they google me or they go at my instagram they're gonna see that i was on rogan right so it like defines me it's like oh that guy was on rogan and then they go look look at it and it's about it's about hunting and maybe maybe when i met them we didn't even talk about hunting you know what i mean yeah yeah they don't even know now but now i'm now that's going to be the next conversation because they're going to listen to the podcast and we're going to talk about hunting and the vast majority of those people are pretty rational about hunting you know a lot like they're like, yeah, I mean, humans, it's a circle of life deal. We all, we all watch Lion King, like, it's yeah. like we're part of it, you know? So I think we, as hunters, sometimes we, we, we negatively look at the majority of people as if they're all anti-hunting. I don't think that's the case. I actually think. No, it's, actually, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot more, uh, you know, there's a lot more potential for support from that population than than we all than we all think um there was a oh go ahead i cut you off there no 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 go ahead jim there was a there was a poll recently and i can't remember where it came out and i'm already cliff i'm pretty leery of polls anyway but uh this one came out and it it was talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of like 86 percent of the population approves of hunting and views hunting as a positive thing and i i think that a lot of that is because, you know, despite some of the negative press that uh, the the 2% of, of uh, you know, bad heads out there that, that give hunting a bad name, and despite some of the ways that Hollywood has portrayed hunt, hunters uh, and, and, you know, some of the other things, some of the so-called influencers that may have done something wrong that have kind of blackened an eye of, of hunters, I think that deep down, you know, hunting is like this innate thing for humans and especially in the American, uh, culture, you know, and it's, it's this thing that has just kind of always existed. And, and I think that there's a lot of, especially dudes, I think there's a lot of dudes that like live in big giant cities that envy people that 
have the ability to hunt. And I, I hate to say it that way because they have the ability to hunt, but they don't think that they do. You know, they think that there's yeah, this big, a, they, they think, just, that, yeah, the barrier like to entry foreign... is way out of their, out of their league or something. And, and it's not, but, uh, and that's why, uh, yeah, I don't mean to beat the Joe Rogan thing. I actually forgot you went on Joe Rogan, man. And now I'm remembering <laughs> the episode. You guys no, had no, a, no, no, dude, I, 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 I love talking about it, I, but I, yeah. I think you, I think you nailed something and he has triggered this in a lot in in a lot of the male population and and i think it's totally fair to talk about it in that context jim because yeah. the majority of hunters are males the majority of his audience are males so i think that it has triggered that in a lot of the male population i get tons of messages about it from guys that are from 20 to 60 years old who have never hunted who want to get into hunting you know, he's probably the source of the stimulation, this, or he stimulated that interest in a lot of people. Um, wh- what I would say is I totally agree with you that I think it's in really is inherent. It, it was funny, like a week ago, uh, one of the guides that used to work for me sent a picture and it was, we had the, this uh, in September, I guided three back-to-back mountain, well, I actually guided two mountain goat hunts back to back and then i had my own personal mountain goat hunt like right after that so i had like three or four i saw that yeah it was fun man but i had three or four guides who had worked for me over the years and we did the we did the guide hunts together and then we did and then a a few of them stayed and we did my hunt it was just an awesome you know 10 12 days but the picture he sent me was like all four or five of us sitting there skinning this mountain goat right and we're all you know sitting sitting on our butt in the rocks we've got the goat there we're all working on it and it was it was actually a video and we're all we're all chatting with each other and it was funny because i saw that and i'm like you know that's what groups of guys have been doing for the vast majority of human existence to think that that is not inherent to part of who we are is hilarious to me i mean we've been doing that way longer than we have been living in the structured environment that we do now and by way longer i mean like by way longer like a thousand fold like there's so many men who and not just i mean you know there's so many people who have lived that kind of lifestyle in the history of the earth their whole life they didn't even know that historically or in the future any other alternative would exist and they're the majority Mm -hmm. of people who have lived on this planet so it's totally, yeah, absolutely, totally absolutely, inherent. man. And I, I get like, I can get overly philosophical about some of this shit, but, but, uh, I, I think it's good to talk about. And, and I think that when, when you look at society today as a, as, as like this, from like this, um, I don't know how, how do I even put that? Um, the, the anyway, I'll, I'll, go back to that when, when you're looking at a society where you have you have this vast amount of people that have um depression and and people are just they seem unhappy and they they seem trapped and and they seem like they feel they have this feeling like this is as good as their life's gonna be and uh i i think you know and, and again this is just my opinion and 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 like you said when uh, i don't know if we were recording yet or not but Feel free to disagree with anything I say, man. Mm-hmm. I, I I like I like good robust uh, discussions, but I feel like that the reason behind a lot of that is because we've taken the struggle out of being a human. 
we've taken that struggle from, especially for men. And I, and again, I say this a lot, but I, I, I don't speak to women and I don't speak as what I feel women are because I'm not a woman. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't sure. know. But, but for me, what, what I see, uh, because, you know, I've gone, I've gone in my life, uh, I've, I've, I've sat in a cubicle at some corporate job and it was one of the most unhappy times of my life. I lasted, I, I don't think I even made it six months. Uh, it's not my thing. And now, now here I am. Um, I, and, and if I went to a larger, you know, metro kind of area, I can, I can probably do financially better, better than what I'm doing now. But the thing is, is my wife and I, we, we have acreage. We live on a homestead in freaking Montana. I'm, I'm, this morning I spent time tracking a black bear that came in and stole one of my chickens. And you know what pisses me off, Cliff? The, the bear took my favorite damn chicken. It's one of those Plymouth rocks. <laughs> and she was like, she had this weird crooked toe, sweetest chicken. And uh, I, we out of we have we had sixteen chickens. Anyway, I found I, I know where the bear took her. I found I basically trailed it right off my property, and now I can't find the bear. Anyway, uh that's that's the kind of stuff as upset I as I am about losing my favorite chicken <laughs> on the homestead. Yeah. It's that adventure side of it. You know, I'm tracking this bear that stole something from me and and I live in the wild. And and I think that hunters, you know, they can live and it doesn't matter where you live, by the way. I don't care if you live in downtown Denver or Seattle or somewhere, but you you connect with the outdoors. You you connect that primal uh, thing that that men require, that challenge, that that thing that is where you're not just visiting nature as like a photographer or something. You're taking part in nature because you are pursuing what is wild. And and that's what it is. And I think that the uh, the lack of that in so many humans and, and especially men uh, in, in America has created this, this downfall of not only just manhood, but just general happiness and, and satisfaction, you know, and I'm just kind oh, yeah. of rambling cliff. No, no, no. I, That's I mean, how I feel. Cra- so, so the way I, I always, I always laugh about it because I actually think a lot of it is physiological, right? It, it's funny because mm-hmm. I will read this stuff. I'll read, you know, just you know, some article that's like a self help, help, self help article, or like I read a lot of stuff on nutrition and and fitness and that sort of things. It's, I don't really talk about it on YouTube or anything. That's not really. Uh, I'm no expert in it, but it's something that me and my wife are are into. So I like listening to like Peter Atia and these guys on longevity. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. But um, it's funny because a lot of the t- things that they statistically find make people live longer, healthier, and happier lives. When they describe them, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what hunters do. It's like, oh, have a community of close friends that you go do things with. Get sun, mm-hmm. get physical exercise every day, you know, um, have have goals. And it's like, yeah, you're talking about what hunters, that's like the whole thing. Like that's the, what we the do. Whole, <laughs> the activity literally encompasses everything that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so no, I I agree. I think a lot of people can find um can find happiness in it. And I think you know, to extend your point, I think that a lot of these other things that people get obsessed with, both men and women, 
they seem so ridiculous and irrational to us, like CrossFit. I know people who are like crazy into CrossFit. I'm not into CrossFit, but, and I'm like, why are you so into CrossFit? And I find in my mind, I'm like judging them for like, why, like you're getting hurt all the time. It seems crazy. Mm-hmm. But then I remind myself, that's exactly how I view hunting. That's is, this is where I'm in, in a world that is so structured and probably very different than what we've evolved or were put put on this earth to be be dealing with we're in a very different environment now we have to go to these little these little avenues to trick ourselves into that exposure and it makes a difference i don't really it it sounds yeah it sounds crazy that it wouldn't but i think a lot of it is actually just physiological right like if we don't do certain things with our body we're not going to be happy um, and we're not going to be healthy and we're not going to look forward to the next things. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's such a world of like just dark clouds when like the thought of, I remember, I remember that life uh, again, nothing wrong. If, if you're the kind of guy or, or gal that has the discipline to sit in a cubicle for eight hours, man, I salute you. I, I, this is why I don't sit in hunting blinds or tree stands. Uh, it's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. but, but, it, but, it, but, but if you're doing it and you're unhappy, you should change it. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think that's what a lot of people get caught up in and, and they, they get caught, you know, they spend an hour in their car in the morning, they sit in a cubicle, they all day and they, they go to McDonald's for lunch and then they spend an hour on the way home, uh, just in time to, you know, catch a game on TV or watch Netflix or something. And they go to bed and they repeat, you know, and it's, it's this existence is, is, is the, the, the I don't know. I, I think it's a root cause of, of some of the woes that we see as Americans, but yet, you know, there's, there's another side of it where uh, not everything is, is, is bad looking ahead. Not everything is, is woes. Uh, I think that we just have a tendency as humans to focus on the negative, you know, and, Oh, yeah, Actually, if sure. you watch the news, we are, uh, you know, on the brink of World War Three, and all Americans hate each other, and uh, <laughs> y- you know, it's just a just a mess. But uh, you know, I, yeah, I we, and we do it. it. We do it in the microcosm of hunting too. Yeah, like, er- we do. everything I everything I see is that this is going to be banned. That's going to be banned. This species is falling off a cliff, and all of that. And and I think personally. Still to this day, Jim, I think we're living in the good old days of hunting in North America. Not that it's going, you know, just I think the dynamic is is changing. But as is a point in time right now, I mean, we can all go on a bunch of hunts every year with a little effort and a little money. Yep. You really can. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. I think we are living in the good old days. Uh, And and, you know. I remember growing up, everybody, all the old timers, you know, back in like the the nineties, they were they'd talk about, oh, you know, hunting was so much better 15, 20 years ago. And and I don't know, it, it maybe it was, but I remember like our big thing was pursuing mule deer. And in the nineties, the muleys weren't doing great. And I see a lot more muleys today than I did back then, right? And so I I just uh and that's just my personal experience. And and I, I just feel like the our grandkids um that it's going to be a different world the 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 hunting the hunting space is going to be a different place uh the the lifestyle is going to change and and i that's part partly why i started this this show here cliff is is you know that it concerns me 
and what like what do you see somebody who i mean uh, to, to put it into perspective you've been guiding you've owned an outfitting company uh you've got this huge youtube um you're a wildly successful hunter you know, you, you take all that and, and pack it together you, and you've got this great perspective. Like, what do you see as the biggest threat to the future of hunting? You know, <clears throat> the there's a, so one of the things that I think is the, the biggest threat is probably a, a lack of decent opportunity in the context of that all the states who've who have produced a lot of Western kind of that type of public land hunting opportunity, their mindset about maximizing the yield of that has shifted a little bit. So for me personally, I think that that in the next 20 years could be, could affect hunting in a, a, it's going to, it may change the, the dynamic, regardless of what we think about the North American um, manage, uh, management style of wildlife. I think it might change the dynamic of hunting where to get decent opportunities is going to be more, you know, more and more, a little bit more of a European model. I think that could be a very, that could be a challenge to hunting in the sense that it could change the dynamic. So, that's the biggest concern to me is there's not this focus on more elk hunting opportunity, more quality elk hunting cop, like the supply side of hunting on public land. That concerns me, um, yeah, for, me for the, for the, for like the whole population of hunters that that's a, that's one of my, my concerns. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I have less concern over, you know, access to public lands and there being more public land and all of that. I, I, I get in these, um, you know, I get in not arguments, but conversations with people where that's their primary concern. And I'm, I'm very much more concerned about there being decent opportunities for people so they can, they can really enjoy this, right. And get, get the bug for hunting. Um, so, so to me, it's kind of a convoluted answer, but that's my biggest, biggest concern. And I don't know, I don't know the, the solution to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I I totally on a uh, like a very macro level, uh totally uh, you know, I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Uh, I I don't know what the solution is either. I think that I I think that uh, there there's a lot of things happening in terms of hunters shooting themselves in the foot, but I'm I'm like you, man. I don't I don't worry I, like I don't sit and worry about the future of hunting because of what PETA says, right? I don't worry about yeah. hunting because of uh major public land issues. What I worry about is um public land not being accessible anymore without a fee i worry about that kind of stuff and that's going to take a lot of hunters uh passion away i i worry about those kind of access issues i i worry about opportunity on that public land and what is public land without wild animals it's not going to be of value to the public anymore so it won't be public anymore you know i worry about that kind of stuff uh and and i, I worry about you know the culturally people being so um far removed from from hunting and, and wild things like butchering your own deer uh you know i i there's people that are offended by seeing that and and that worries me that kind of stuff worries me if that spreads you know uh those kind of things so anyway um i know i i promised you an hour so i don't i don't want to uh keep you too long here buddy but um 
I, I have a, I, I offer a free service, Cliff. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. For all the guides across North America, uh, because there's a lot of people that listen to this show, and some of them are going to eventually end up hiring a guide or an outfitter. And so whenever I have a guide on the show, I like to ask what their top two things are that people do that piss their guide off. Yeah. So <laughs> my, I think my number one thing, and this is like one that, that I think irks guides, but it also will maximize people's enjoyment of, of hunts. And that's really when is, is the expectations of a hunt. When you're booking hunts, when you're researching hunts, really listen to what, for, so first try to find people that you can get a very, that you feel are giving you a very honest opinion about what to, what to expect on the hunt. And a lot of times that's because you know, somebody who's hunted with that guy that hunt, they've hunted with that outfitter. So they're giving you, they're like a, they're a trusted uh, avenue to, to like book a hunt, right. With a guide. But when that guide gives you expectations of what to expect, you know, what are, you know, what's the physical challenges you're going to face? You know, how variable are the results of the hunt? Those sort of things. Don't discount those and think that you're always the, if it's a hunt that's 70, 70% success rate, don't go into it reading that as a hundred percent. I think that, I think that is one of the things that gets people in the, the biggest trouble is that it doesn't matter how much the expectations are set out to them. They, uh, they can have this perspective that they're still unhappy if, you know, they fall on the, the wrong side of that from their perspective, or, you know, they didn't listen to that. Hey, you really need to be, you know, this is a, this is a great hunt, high success rate hunt. If you show up prepared, you know, this way physically or this way mentally, or you, you were, we're going to need to backpack hunt. Oh, it turns out you've never slept in a backpack tent your entire life and you've never worn a backpack with all your gear on it ever, you know? So that's probably my biggest one. Did um, you, did you do that cliff? You take, you take uh clients out on like a backpack hunt. Yeah. yeah we backpack it. We backpack hunted a lot of goat and sheep hunts. Oh, did you? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're fun. They're, they're, they're fun. And, uh, um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard work though, too, man. That's a young, that's a Heck young yeah. game, you know? Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I know they're, those are great hunts. That's my biggest one. You know, I think I don't, I'm trying to think of what, you know, what, um, what would be a second one in general? Like, I'll give you a general comment on, on guiding because people always act like they always want to hear the horror stories. The uh-huh. thing about the thing I ran into in, in guy, have you ever guided before Jim? No, nope. So I've never guided. Guiding it like n- in any service business, you'll hear this, you'll hear people say, Hey man, like, you know, 85% of people are great, but it's 15% of the people that ruin it for everybody else. Right. They're going to be all your problems. Like, and they say that in any service business, if you're yeah. an accountant, whatever. Right. I feel like in hunting, it's the same thing, but the numbers are actually way better because 95% of hunters that I guided, if not more, were just phenomenal human beings. We, we shared an interest. There's probably a whole bunch of other reasons why they're just you know, compatible with, you know, friendship. My, most of my best friends are people I've guided, you know, over the years. Yeah. Um, 
So nine, at least 95% of them are awesome. And then, yeah, you know, one out of 20, one out of 30 just isn't there to have fun. So I guess that'd be my second one. If you're going to go on a hunt, be there to have fun. Don't be there to just kill something. Um, you know, that that's that I think there's nothing wrong with that being the goal and taking that goal very seriously. I'm not somebody to say like everything should be about, you know, sunset pictures and all of that. I think you should have a goal. I think that's good, but be there to have fun because that's what that's what guides like. And yeah. absolutely if you're if you have that attitude you're 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 going to end up maximizing your guide right if you're if you just totally just yeah i totally agree. the whole time guides don't work as hard and they mean and they're i'm not saying they're doing it consciously but they if they got to deal with negativity it wears on them you know so mm-hmm. that's uh that'd be kind of my other my other um piece of advice is just go into it with with be positive about it I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I could totally see that too, Cliff. And, and I'm, I've never, I've never been on a guided hunt with the exception of, uh, a wild boar hunt down in, uh, Nevada one time when I was like 18 and, okay, and, and, and not that I'm opposed to, I'd love to go on some guided hunts. I, I feel like, um, one of the things I, I used to be a struggling fly fisherman and, uh, I had uh, kind of earned this, this, uh, trip through the company I'd been working for. This was years ago uh that sent me on a on a guided fly fishing trip and i that the guy that was my guide uh turned me into an expert level fly fisherman in two days like literally i i have i don't know if i've been since i went on that trip with that guy in which i didn't actually catch fish it's it's just it's amazing what what somebody that does that for a living what they could teach you and so I'd, i'd be super interested to go hunting like especially with a guy like you uh, and spend a few days in the woods to learn and pick from your brain what, what you know. And I, I going back to what you were talking about, that was a long way of me saying I, I'm not disparaging people who who use guides uh, when I say I've just never really done it before. I've never been on a guided hunt. So, sure. yeah, yeah uh, but dude, I think that's a like what you hit on there is a good perspective. I go I go on guided things all the time, Jim. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The fish, the fishing world, and it doesn't irritate me because it's not, it's outside the expectations of the trip, but well, I'll just, I'll give you like a, uh, a, a hard example. I really want to spear a wahoo, which is like a pelagic oh, yeah. fish. Right. And, and they're, oh, and they kind of have, man. This, and they kind of have a little bit of a mystique around them, at least in the spear fishing world. Like it's a goal for a lot of people. I really want to spear. And I've been with guys that, mm-hmm. that do it. And this is their thing. They're very knowledgeable and they're dealing with me this like floating bobber, you know, pale guy with sunburns and who's fairly incompetent in the ocean, right? So I realize they have a lofty <laughs> goal, right? So, but the guy that takes me and just like, you know, chums up Wahoo, you know, is not really telling me what he's doing, maybe is passive about questions, that sort of thing, which which I can understand they're, they're trying to work, throws me in and then hands me the gun and is like, point that you know shoot the wahoo that's kind uh-huh. of fun but that's nothing compared to an experience where a guy is explaining to me what he's doing right yeah really yeah really in my in my like in my crazy mind i'm thinking like i want to shoot a wahoo but i really want to actually know how to do it like i really want to get good at it so in in 
you know, maybe some other world five years from now, like I can teach my buddy how to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, to me, that's to me, the best guides are good at that. And I, and yeah. I may have They're a biased teachers. perspective on it, but yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I, I would totally, I, I would totally, that's that's the thing is is if if were i to go on a guided trip i'd be pretty selective i'd i'd want to i'd want to like call somebody like you and pick your brain about like who's the best at uh like being a, a coach and a teacher to to walk you through the whole process of what's about to take place you know not just somebody who yeah. says yeah hey, a guy that can tolerate there, questions. there's an elk yeah yeah exactly you know i think that's uh there, there's a lot to be said for that so um, yeah, the, the closest thing I've had to that in the last few years, I, I use tag hub a lot from Eastman's hunting journal, you know, I, that's, that's sure. my guide. Um, well, Cliff, this has been a really fun, satisfying conversation, man. I, I had a lot of fun having you on the show here. I'd love to do it again in the future. Um, of course, and, man, it feels like it, it feels like the conversation just started. So I we'll know, right. It. We'll have to do it again. We're going to have to, I, I feel like I, I need to let you get, get back to the tarpet fishing, brother. <laughs> no, that's all good. Yeah, we'll do yeah, it. So. Uh, we'll, 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 uh, follow on with another one someday, but I, I really appreciate you having me on Jim. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it, it pleasure's all mine, Cliff. It was great to meet you. And for everybody listening, I'm going to have uh, Cliff's Instagram handle and the YouTube channel, uh, in the show notes. So make, make sure you follow along and, and check that out. Cliff has some like world class YouTube videos. Uh, I really enjoy them. And uh, Cliff, you enjoy yourself over there in uh, in, in Puerto Rico, man. And uh, keep me posted, brother. All right, will do. Thank you. All right, thank you. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman. And write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.